Uh, All right, everybody. I know you missed us. We're here. Wait, hold on. Is this is this a Boeing Max? Should we ground this podcast? Yeah. Can we even do that? that? How does that work? Hey, uh, happy new year, everybody. It is good to see you. I just thought I'd say that. I guess Ryan has some introduction, but somebody has. Welcome to 2025. Yeah. yeah, there's the introduction. <laughs> 24 just went by, you didn't even notice. Yeah. If you yes. slept wow. in today, if you slept in, you missed a whole year. It's now 2025. Now we have yes. <laughs> X got switched back to Twitter. Everyone make a prediction. I say X gets switched back to Twitter. prediction in the start of 2024. This is good. This is good. What's going Okay, happen? what is your prediction, Ralph? Oh, wait, the boss is here. Show will still be Are around. we live? Yeah. We're live right now, yes. Oh, good. Uh, we didn't officially yeah, start, but we're live. Yeah, everybody behave yourself. The boss is here. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I can't even say that seriously. First of all, I love the poster in the background, John. So, yeah, so I got a whole bunch of Polish movie posters uh, for my birthday and for Christmas. Uh, this one is Fight Club. Nice. This one is Betrothal. Oh, good. The Fight Club. Uh, this one is... Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Wow. Ooh. Um, wow. Uh, what else? Here we go. Got Classic. Nice. Nice. Oh, oh, I love Mad Max. The final I know. One, final one is uh, Blues Brothers. Classic. Oh, nice. That one Total might be the, that one might be the like out of left field one that you don't expect. No, that's that's the song you like. Everybody needs yeah. somebody yeah. <laughs> to love, to love someone to love. <laughs> Classic. I need you, you, you. You better. All right, it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Let's hit the road. Come on, think, think. More freedom. <laughs> Karaoke's. Oh god! Oh my god! Listen. Can we do silent karaoke? <laughs> Ryan, just roll the finger. Oh, You're not gonna get a better intro. I, I, love, just love Blues, I think Blues Brothers is like one of the best musicals of all time. Blues Brothers 2000 is, without a doubt, the worst. Yeah. Um, so bad. <laughs> So the, the movie itself was really bad. The music in it was awesome. Uh, for 2000? <laughs> yeah, for 2000. To be I, able I, to see the all-star bands at the end of the movie. I didn't was... make it that far. I left Man. Johnny <laughs> Lang. <laughs> Johnny Lang showed up, and he started doing it his thing. Old. I was really stoned in the movie theater uh, when I went to Blues <laughs> Brothers 2000, and I, I, I had to go. I had to go. And if, I, if, I, if I'm high in, like, you know, it, no, it was bad. It was just <laughs> bad, so bad. I'll, I'll go. We're talking about Mountain Dews for anyone wondering. Yeah, I'll go back and revisit the music, uh, Mike. But I, I, I don't have good. I don't have good memories. I walked out of that. I can't remember what else. But I made it all the way through Spice World. Uh, I was oddly really engaged with the Spice Girls movie. I, I don't know why. <laughs> His brother's two thousand. I think we should get started then. Yeah, yeah roll the finger before. <laughs> yeah, no. All right. Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security Talking About News. My name is John Strand. In this particular edition, it's millions of breaches. 
reaches for me because it's the karaoke version the silent sad karaoke version of black hills information security talking about news but we do all of this to bring joy and spread that in the infosec universe because we got to counter counterbalance the comment section in crack map execs github repository um so joining me today uh if i can get the menagerie of people we have ryan making us look good smell good and feel good uh we have mike on as very regularly we got bsd bandit rocking the red team shirt we yeah. got the get, we got the get <laughs> expert here from florida a uh, vacation brain i know that feeling kelly tarallo is with us um joff i don't know what to say about joff um <laughs> <laughs> good or god alex what happened to the character behind you is that like a batman holiday caricature <laughs> Oh yeah, no, he's he, he's getting geared up for going outside. So he's got he's I think just a little bit of like going outside. Oh yeah, we got like Snowmageddon coming, so he's got like the uh the hat hat, the shoulder armor, like you need shoulder armor out there. I don't know. Oh he's ready. Oh, he's, he's ready, ready. to go. <laughs> he's ready. And Andrew is joining us as well. Folks, just so you know, I went through the, the show notes like literally five minutes before the show as as I often do, time wise. Holy crap. There's uh, no news. There's, there's some breaches. There's nothing right? happened. I'm going through, going no, through no the breaches, breaches. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, there's normally breaches, but I want to start with one that I think is just amazing. Um, it's from TechCrunch, law firm that handles data breaches was hit by a data breach. Absolutely amazing. I mean, this is a fairly good sized law firm, and uh, basically, the hackers were able to steal personal information and sensitive health data of more than 637 data breach victims. Not wait, data wait. breach victims from this data breach, which they were, but from but previous data, data breaches. Their data has already been breached, John, so it's fine. It's like you're getting breached. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, like, like somebody in comments, who do they just say? Uh, Flakvest, as always, great comment. Spoiler alert, it's 2024 and we still have ransomware incidents. I think that maybe the hackers are hitting the bottom of the barrel. If they're going back and hitting the law firms representing the firms that got hacked to hit those firms a second time, mm. I mean, that's is that if, double if, dipping? Is that hacking? And and then you hack and you dip and then you dip again. That's a double dip. John, yeah. literally, we've been on engagements where we got someone to do something, got into their account, and then redid it again because they fell for it a second time. So I mean, like, I think it's fair. Yeah, I, I yeah, that's yeah, happened where you send you send them, you send them an exe and you say, hey, you need to run the security tool on your system because we think it was compromised, and then that's the second payload. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so if you're wondering the security like mindset of this company, they said that they stole reams of data. Which kind of just that says it all right there. I don't know how much like, they're in the computer. What is a ream? In the computer. A ream is like I feel like it's just like one of those banker boxes. A ream, isn't it technically like I'm thinking Dunder Mifflin here? Isn't it like a box? It's like a 20 pound like little bag of paper or whatever. Yeah, there's gotta be know. a technical description of what a ream is. Like it's just funny. Deck. It's just funny to imagine like how much data did they get? Reams. Mm. Is it a is it 250 pages a ream? Yeah, I remember those. I remember those those pages. Like they had the little, you, you could pull off like the edges of them because they just like fed into like this gear dot uh, matrix. Holes on, yeah, we're talking dot, dot matrix, matrix right. printers. Yeah, and you would get like an entire ream because it would be like one continuous sheet, and you would just have to. It was perforated. That was the word I was looking for. So, how uh, what font size was my data printed on when it was stolen? Uh, a like <laughs> paper. <laughs> was it like? Is it? Is it a QR I, code? I just, I, I believe a, a ream is a a package of paper. 
in today's yeah. society. So we, we often equate uh, uh, this with uh, corporate theft, right? You walk home with a ream of paper from the copy center. Uh, no, but it's 500, it's 500 sheets, 500, 500 sheets of sheets. my data. Oh man. But how did they get 600,000 people's data onto 500 sheets? Of data? <laughs> <laughs> That's a mystery. I, I just, I, 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 you know, getting off of this, this topic, it's just, I don't I, like for me, if I was the owner of this firm and I, I, I hope to God, like this, something like this doesn't happen to Black Hills Information Security. It, it, it absolutely scares us. We do regular testing with a bunch of other sister pen testing firms and we do testing for them. But this is absolute worst case scenario. And right now, I don't think we have any details on how they got compromised. I, I hope for their sake that it was like some kind of unknown zero day used, but this article says it's not clear how the hackers initially broke into the network or whether they demanded a financial ransom um, from the law firm that they wouldn't, of course, they wouldn't answer any questions because why would they at this phase? But yeah, I hope for their sake that it was some kind of super zero day. No one has ever seen it before. They've got to save some face. I mean, I well, feel bad for uh, the owners of this company. The, I do. Well, the, the problem is the data was just on a file share. So <laughs> yeah. uh, the question I've got is, is when they reported this, which lawyer did they report this to? I mean, it's that's a law firm. What, that's what I was going for, too. <laughs> oh, you like, know, every law firm has a sub-law firm yeah, that's like within their, yeah. like it's, it's actually a thing where like I, you know, worked with the law firm. You guys joke about that crap, but it's true, right? It's totally true. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. anytime that we're working an incident, um, especially if it's like ransomware or if there's, um, uh, you know, just, just a standard incident with larger companies, most of the time we do not communicate with a customer directly. Anything and everything that we do in the investigation has to go through their law firm. And like these law firms, you ask some basic questions, you know, like, how do you want us to send this data to you? It's like, oh, just e- email it to me, clear text. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, which lawyers are the lawyers going to call? I don't yeah. exactly. know. The data stolen is bad. It includes, which is funny, it includes account credentials for other breach sites. And it also includes potentially PHI, including date and cost of services and healthcare insurance numbers and provider details. So well, I guess be on the lookout. This kind of dovetails to the next story, which is that people will get blackmail or other emails based on the data that was uh, released, as we saw with the Fred Hutch thing. Did everyone see that one? What's the, oh yeah, I've got that one coming up. Do we want to just transition over to Fred Hutch? Yeah, it's like, they, well. if, yeah, you take the email data or you take the data that was stolen and you make it into phishing emails. That's like the, that's the way of life. That's in, the way it goes. Threat actors. Yeah. I love this. They said to me, it felt like a really good sales tactic. <laughs> like, yeah. Here's, <laughs> here's all of your information. Do you want to pay to get it offline? I, 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 you know, and, and it's funny because I think that there's a lot of people that look at PHI and they're like, well, I don't care if anybody gets a hold of my PHI. It's, and I, and I, and I hate that. I just been thinking a lot about this over Christmas. It's one of those horrible self-centered I got mine FU type attitudes, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I've got nothing. I've got no sexually transmitted diseases or anything like that. You know, I got nothing in my history. So therefore you just don't care. Right. But with something like this, whenever you read through it and it like the medical history of some of these people, I just think so like my family, my friends, people yeah. that I've known over the years, seriously, 
there's a lot of stuff that you do not want to be in like the public realm as far as medical history. And I, I you know, it, I, I mean, this is, yeah, it, it just can't be minimized. Right. So like, if somebody were to come yeah. up with my medical history and like post it online. I don't know how much I care, but I know without question that it, there's a lot of people, like if my history was their history, they'd be really uncomfortable. I talk about painful, uncomfortable things that have happened to me medically over the years. And we won't get into that on the show. Um, but <laughs> who wants that shit on a website for everyone? Right. Right? Well, John, good news. If you check your email, you can pay only $50 to have it taken off the dark web. Oh. Totally can believe them oh, for that. Right? And I will say, honestly, from the threat actor's perspective, I know it's just a money grab, but it looks just so optimistic that they imagine that someone would be willing to pay $50 to have their private information kept protected. Like who can, most people are going to be like, eh, oh, yeah. fine. This $50 in a honey glazed donut. Okay. Dude, this reminds me of a, <laughs> you seen the, the bail talk, like the bail websites when people uh, get arrested and they have to have that, pu their public, um, what do you call it? A uh, photo taken, right. When yeah. they're booked. And then all these websites have come out to put their picture on there yeah. that are all yeah. around third party. And then they charge you to remove it from their website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's public records. So yeah. you can continue yeah, to get public, it but they, you know, And then somebody will like look up their name and the first thing they'll see is that they were in jail. It's, it's like SEO. Right? It's like yeah. SEO blackmail or extortion. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I looked at that initial quote too, where they said, you know, Hey, it, it's a good sales tactic. And you know, while we may want to like you know laugh at that, I think that the author put that in the article kind. I think intentionally because you can you can pick and choose what quotes you do. But the interesting thing is that it's giving credibility to uh, these these ransomware actors, and I think that's something that overall we need to keep an eye on. Like they do have sales tactics, they do know what they're doing. They do when, and their yeah. price and Alex, their price of fifty dollars. They chose a price point. That was low enough that a huge percentage of people would choose, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's and, absolutely something. Like 50 and and bucks. there was the, the other quote in there, too, that it says, you know, there's no honor among thieves. But I looked at another article that's on our list that that's linked, and it talks about how these ransomware affiliates have rules of engagement. They have the on, basically like these rules of honor that say you can go after a hospital, don't encrypt it. You can steal the information. And you can do that secondary um, extortion. You can do that blackmail. Mm -hmm. Do not encrypt them. Do not interfere with healthcare operations. So saying there's no honor among thieves, they might not be honoring what we consider honor, but they have their own set of yeah, honor. Of ethics. They're, they're yeah. following that. Well, and I think it's important to not underestimate uh, ransomware groups and their sophistication. And there's a, there's a whole nother point. Uh, Flackvest has a great quote, thinking about potential issues like employers denying jobs because of leaked health info, housing providers denying, denying rent, not legal, but would be impossible to prove if you just found it in a web search. This is real, right? Like mm -hmm. if somebody's trying to get a job with a firm and then you can see that they have some type of long-term debilitating disease that you know is going to impact their work performance or possibly could impact their work performance. Like th there's definitely unscrupulous like businesses that would basically look at that and be like, Oh, I don't know. It looks like this person was sick for like eight to nine weeks at this one job two years ago. If that happens here, that's really, really bad. That would suck. Like, you know, just kind of going to it. What was the other one? Oh, housing providers, uh, denying rent and things of that nature. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it gets <laughs> sticky really fast. Yeah. It really does. Yep. 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 And like I said, I absolutely hate that attitude in the industry. I, I, I know a lot of us had holidays with friends and family and inevitably, if you're around a large enough group of people, they're like, well, if you, ain't, if you ain't a criminal, you got nothing to hide. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like uncle Bob, your hemorrhoid treatment on eight, 12, 2023 uh, actually disagrees with that. Are you, are you sure you want to talk to the family about that? These, right? these ransomware, um, these ransomware sales tactics are nothing more than the new infomercials for, that come on at late at night and sell everything for 1995. Yeah. And you keep constantly playing that somebody is gonna they pick a price point, always 1995. They've been doing it for how many decades? And how many oh. people have bought that stuff off of PSD? I gotta take you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fix the 1995 with only three easy installments of 1995. Oh, so true. <laughs> so true. Now, gotta add that on Don't to worry. that. Yep. Don't worry. It's like years ago, whenever I worked for Teleperformance USA before I was married. Um, uh -huh. It's okay. We don't need your credit card. We already have it on file. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I got to say, it, it should be three easy payments of 0.00001.95 Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's yeah. coming. <laughs> that's a, well, it's here. It's Scan here. the QR code to have us steal your bank account. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but, like, but like all of this is starting to get into this law of unintended consequences. Like I think you know, for generations in computer security, you know, we always worried about, oh, what about zero days? Because I remember that being a thing way back in the beginning. It's like, what happens when a worm comes out? There's no patch for it. It's like, okay, that happened. Um, but then you get into PHI, PII. There's a lot of conversations that have been had over the years where what are the actual impacts going to be for these types of breaches? And I think this is just the beginning. Of it. So, this is absolutely well, John. This doesn't affect me because I use Bitwarden and I use Windows Hello to unlock it. Nothing can oh, possibly be oh, here with that. Did you read this oh, article? It's really I cool. This article because yeah. you guys oh. can make your own. You joke. know that Corey? He's playing at an elite level. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Cut <laughs> off the red team out of out of Germany. I think is where they're out of. So I uh, have a couple. I have a couple takeaways for this article, and uh, there there is one actual. There, there is a good vulnerability that they discovered with this. So, um, but if you read the article, but the big, the big thing is, is that Bitwarden, uh, like other password managers, can use the credential store inside of Microsoft, Microsoft's uh, Hello, or other credential stores. In this point, the DP API to store sensitive information. This is, uh, it was like specifically by design. We've taken advantage of this in the past with other password managers outside of Bitwarden, um, with the idea, in essence, that any sensitive information is stored at the DP. DAPI, DPAPI can be compromised if you're a privileged enough user, okay? If you're a local administrator, you can read the contents of this. And top of that, you can also just extract the uh, the uh, credential or the uh, the vault key, right? For example, from memory, if you're on that host and you are an administrator. So having high levels of administrator access on any host will compromise a password manager, right? But the thing that they did find that I thought was really interesting is that there was a issue with the way that Bitwarden was saving the key to unlock the vault. And what, would, what the uh, end result was is that any application, any user, not an administrator, could actually ask right, Windows for the key and it would just give it to them, right? Um, whether 
after you had, had <laughs> rolled Bitwarden with the um uh what do you call it? The it, hello uh it's a it's a feature, Ralph. It's yes, a, it's a feature. It's a feature. It's definitely <laughs> a feature. Yeah. It is it is I, wild, but uh yeah. to, it has I been fixed, but it's crazy. To, hey Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about that link that you just shared, the tech privacy um privacy training? You said it's good reference on privacy harms. I wanted to drop that in real quick because I think that that's a good point to close out the last one. Sure. Uh, there's, a, there's a professor, his name is Daniel Solov, and he's been working on this model or taxonomy of privacy harms. And that model includes some of the things we've already talked about in the discussion, physical harms, discrimination harms, reputational harms, psychological harms, and, and um, what he calls autonomy harms, coercion, manipulation, um, lack of control, failure to inform. And the reason why he has created this taxonomy of privacy harms is because he is an, a strong advocate of how do we actually bring this into the courtroom? Because if we can't actually articulate what privacy harms are, how are we, at be, be, how are we able to say that, well, we were actually harmed as individuals? Um, so yeah, there's, he's actually got a great book called Privacy Harms. Um, it's on my reading list for 2024 and 2025, Ryan. <laughs> and and oh, Ryan, time traveling nerd herder asked, does Kelly have her own cameraman? Yes. Yes, she does. And <laughs> he's following her around. So we got the floating camera going on. So, um, so kind of speaking of harms, uh, I want to talk about the 23andMe breach. Um, we went into depth on this on the last episode. Oh, so we're done with this one? We, we can, well, no. So we, I don't think, I mean, we can talk about it. This is like kind of a follow-up. I mean, basically, what we, where we fault. left it is, where we left it was essentially that like, so for anyone that isn't familiar with this, 23andMe is like a DNA testing uh, company. And they were breached uh, essentially through account takeovers or ATOs or whatever you want to call them. And they basically attackers went after 23andMe accounts uh, individually through basically, um, you know, password guessing, password reuse, information stealer malware, all the good stuff that we know about. And what what we discussed on the show was essentially like the the role of the company 23andMe in protecting their victims accounts, because it's a tough thing of like on one side, you have to let the user set whatever password they want. and you know, that's like the user has control over their own security on some level. But on the other hand, you also have to protect people. That's part of security is protecting people who d can't necessarily choose the right password or know. Obviously, um, you know, you shouldn't reuse passwords, but not everyone knows that. Not, some people use the same password everywhere. So I guess it's like kind of walking the line. But basically now they're just publicly victim blaming and saying, hey, uh, it's all your fault, which is. Uh, not but there's another part of this, though, OK? So the other part of this is at the end of this article, at the very bottom, it says that 23andMe reset everyone's passwords and is now forcing two-factor authentication uh, <laughs> for everybody. And this is a So they're like, it's your fault, but yeah, also. It, it's your fault. <laughs> also, we've improved the security so this can't happen. Uh, yeah. Um, so here's the problem I have with this is, and, and I this is contentious, and I want to get the non-BHIS people's opinion on this. Um, it's now a high finding. If you have an external interface uh, that is just single factor authentication, all you need is user ID and a password to get in. That is a high mm -hmm. on BHIS's externals now. And I kind of want to explain it a little bit, and I'd like to get some, some input from non-BHIS people. 
I did this as kind of a fiat across the company because I am sick and tired of like coming on the news. And it seems like every third breach is like a credential stuffing attack or a password spraying attack. It's because an organization doesn't have two-factor authentication, right? Number one. Number two, when we're working incidents in IR, a tremendous number of the incidents that we work, maybe even 25% of them, are because of the exact same thing, lack of two-factor authentication. And Ben from KC said it wasn't already. See, but here's the problem. It's not a like defined vulnerability in like a Nessus scan or anything like that. So I think it was like informational for a long time, but I got so sick of it. It was just basically, F it, it's a high. And I now get to argue with customers, I think once every two weeks on average, where I have to explain to them the same thing. <laughs> Am I off base like with this? Like I, I, I seriously think every pen testing firm should be doing this, but I'd like to kind of get some some other thoughts on this, like Alex and Andrew, BSD and Mike. What, what do you all think about this? And also in comments, please, 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 in comments, please let us know as well. I'll, I'll, no. I'll, take, I'll take a point on this. I don't think yeah. that you're wrong at all on it. Quite honestly, half the, t- half the time, half the stuff at least that I've seen corporations that I work for get funded for or make the changes are because of those pen tests and what they mean for regulations and the company itself. And that's where a lot of times you can make some of the biggest impact. We, for instance, would know, okay, this is not running multi-factor and we can yell and scream until we're blue in the face. The second that finding is documented by an external party though, all of a sudden it's got a little bit more bite. It's got a little bit more oomph to it. And with our pen tests, not just uh, as far as multi-factor goes, with all of it, we try and go ahead and figure out with them where we need to go ahead and raise that level. What might normally be an informational, but in our environment should be something as a high. So I don't think you're in the wrong on doing that at all. Oh, it's it's created I'm, some painful conversations. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm just piggyback what you just said. Yeah, um, I think it's important that you're raising the stake and saying that it's a high and putting it out to the front that, listen, we're doing our job here. Because again, if you if you just say oh, also informational, that just shows, and I'm just saying this is on the pen testing team. We have to get to the point where we're just saying, hey, listen, this is the high. This is what we do. We find issues, vulnerabilities. We report them to you because we want you to help improve your security. And we cannot do that if we're constantly just going along to get along with the customer. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes pen tests. Other pen test firms do that, where it's just like, oh, we'll just leave it as a, um, informational. We've known this client for years. We'll just leave it at that because they've been a good client. No, I think you're absolutely right in calling it out, holding people's feet to the fire, and letting them know, like, and constantly documenting, like, hey, listen, this is a potentially bad thing. This is a high. This is why we're raising it to be a high because this is what could happen. It could be a breach bonanza no pun intended, on your organization <laughs> if you don't do anything about it. And it's good yep. that you're constantly calling it out. I think that's that's important. And I, I want to call um, out all firms should do that. Cool. I want to call out a good comment from one of the people, 12 Riza. I get that uh, 12, two factor is a go-to answer, but forcing it makes things so difficult for a user base. Working with yeah. 15,000 employees is mental. And I get that. Um, and I, so I, do that as I have, so I have kind of a middle <laughs> ground and 
I, I don't want to like if anyone else has other thoughts, definitely jump in. But yeah, I, at EHIS, um, I run sort of the data breach stuff, um, and we are dealing a lot with information stealer malware these days. And if I go in our tool and I search for twenty three and me, there's like thirty thousand records. Um, so like the account breach of fifteen thousand accounts is about what I would expect as a scale. Essentially, like what what you can do, and this is something maybe everyone doesn't know. You can target accounts that have been compromised, or you can do your own security auditing. Like they call it like ATO prevention if you want to Google something. But basically, what you can do is you can pull a data feed, you can use a third party or whoever, pull a data feed of accounts that are being disclosed in information stealer malware logs, and then reset and potentially force MFA for those accounts specifically. Yes, password reuse is a thing, but I personally believe that most of these credentials are coming from information stealers, just personally. And so being able, and this is what we provide our customers. We say, here's a list of 15,000 accounts that are publicly disclosed with their credentials. You need to go reset these and specifically for these accounts require MFA. This is like a much smaller ask than saying, go make MFA for everyone mandatory. It's one thing to do that versus saying, okay, out of the 100,000 accounts we have in our database, these are the ones that are the highest risk. Um, let's go force password resets and also force MFA. Um, and obviously, this is secondary to detection, which is like, you know, surely from wherever, you know, now she's logging in from a different country, you know, that that kind of stuff. It, we use it traditionally in the setting of like Active Directory, but you can absolutely use it. The classic example I always give customers is look at Gmail. They do a lot of like session protection type of things on you know, oh, this is a new device, I don't recognize it, or this is a mm -hmm. different IP or a different travel, uh, you know, distance traveled or whatever. So like, I'm not saying uh, every portal has to have this advanced security, but essentially identifying a limited subset of your higher risk accounts, 23andMe or whoever could have done that in advance. And for a company that's providing sensitive data, uh, that I would say is a should be a key part of your security team is like, go out, pull a data feed of compromised accounts, reset the credentials and force MFA for those high-risk accounts. Yeah, um, so, let's, so let's pretty much using that as the starting point, right? Uh, Andrew hasn't responded yet. I want to get Andrew in on this yeah, too. There, there's a lot to chew on here, right? With the with the MFA debate, uh, right? Because I feel like a lot of these data breaches are actually, we had a pivot to the inside to a service that had little to no uh, security controls on that service. And so we can preach on the outside, yeah, MFA all the things, but if it's not 100% all the time, and you have this one service that's really critical to the business, and that is the, the foothold that someone uses to come in from the outside, we, we've all failed. So, so we can say authentication context, which is how I tend to think of this, right? MFA is just an attribute of session context for somebody coming in from the outside. Curious what other people think from that about relying parties and like the way that we pivot in 2024. I guess I got in the habit of saying that 2024. Uh, <laughs> no, it's 2025. It's 2025. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're just skipping. Yeah. There we go. I mean, I think you're yeah. spot on. Like, you're right. Like, if we look at like industry leaders, what they're doing uh, for this problem, they're not just addressing it as, oh, bad password, we fixed that. The, your your thing, way of framing it as a f session you know, security factor is a piece of the puzzle. But 
Um, you can have a five character password and the account's super well protected because you only allow logins from one IP or, or whatever. Like there are compensating controls and there's things you can look at to detect. Um, I would say nowadays, like having some kind of session security features is becoming more and more of a hard requirement of like, um, yeah, and we should pivot because someone right, just mentioned right. it. No, yeah, we got to pivot. Let, you know what? I've got, I've got one last thing I want to say on it for everybody is one of the like the conversation points on how this ends up, and I want to give you kind of the back and forth. Customers say you're rating this as a high. We say yes, this should be a high. And if it's a company that provides a service, they'll say, well, you didn't exploit anything. Many times, as a testing firm, we do not have permission to go after customer accounts. That's not something we are allowed to do in our testing. And I have this fear, and I'm kind of genning up a webcast. There's tons of things that we do not test um, because it's either illegal or it involves going after personal devices, which also could be illegal, or it's just things that customers, like if we were to break into thousands of customer accounts for a bank, that bank has a major problem at that point. So this is one of those areas that's very, very difficult. It's not just a simple solution, but I also don't feel like it's being tested appropriately. All right. What's our pivot? What do we want to do? I mean, so, well, hold on. I mean, to dovetail, like you are super right. I think we should be asking our customers, hey, uh, can we test customer accounts? At least a spot check. Just do a spot check. And we're not going to log into 15,023 me accounts, but we should at least do a spot check and say, does your primary customer interface require MFA? Anyway. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the pivot is that Mandiant's X account was compromised and, and switched to a very promising crypto startup. Uh, and they had supposedly MFA. So uh, what happened? That's impossible. Oh, you can't man. make MFA. Uh, can we get this article up? I don't see where this one is. It's probably it's 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 again, it's it, the answer is always stealers. I, ju- I just always that's just my, <laughs> so uh, I just keep pressing that button like that's all I ever say. Some it's some like contractor PR firm. Some seriously, I've seen this in malware stealers. It's like you have a PR firm that gets compromised and they'll have the logins for like 80 people's Twitters. Like this actually happens. And if yeah. by logins, I mean session tokens. So but yeah. There you did, go. Did they actually get renamed? Yeah, Back again, it, got re- it got renamed and like rebranded. <laughs> to a it was like six hours it took them to go ahead and six get it back. Hours oh, of getting hat. They had to wait on hold with Elon Musk for a while. <laughs> you have to come I guess there were limits on, on how many times you can change your username. So they basically like changed it. We're trying to change it back, and they had like that hard block being like, "No, you can only change it so many times in twenty-four hours." So. Oh. So what's the issue here? Are we blaming Mandiant or are we blaming X? Mandiant. Uh, we don't. Well, no, we're blaming everyone. We blame everyone on the show. We're that's yeah. what, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, Equal I would say <laughs> okay. The real, the real, the non-joke answer is that I don't think we have enough information to really determine. Like, I will say, if it was X, I think it'd be widespread, not just like oh, we we hacked all of X, but we only went after Mandiant. No, they would go after Elon Musk. And they would tweet a meme of him like bonking a Doge coin or something. Um, I love this. Twelve Rizza said, um, "Mandiant job posting, social media manager, job requirements, <laughs> basic early two thousand cybersecurity practice." <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, my guess personally, shooting from the hip here, is that 
Mandiant, these companies, if you think about like a company managing a single account, it's actually a really complex thing and there's not a lot of tools for it. Like how many people have access to the Twitter login? Is it the PR firm? Is it the only the social media manager? How many different interns or directors or whoever have access to it? And are all of them secure? Do they share the, how do they share the credentials? Maybe they had them in Bitwarden. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's there. I think if it was X, you'd have a widespread compromise of more than just one account. I think the consensus is they're going to blame an intern at some point. They're going to, yeah. They're currently, it's it's the job. That's coming. That's going to come. The job posting should be looking for fall guy, salary, one golden parachute, executive level (laughs) leadership required, or whatever. Can I ask ask the question? Go ahead. Oh, sorry, guys. I just, I asked the question because we all know that Twitter's security team was decimated. So perhaps was somebody reviewing the logs? Was there an incident internally? Um, I I think their culpability is to be shared in this situation. Exactly. Mm. Actually, I didn't know this um, or I forgot about it, but did you guys know that Google owns Mandiant? Google yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. They talked about it on the show, bro. I know. I literally forgot. It's been it's been a whole year. It's been a whole year. It's 2025. Get with the program, dude. What year did you skip? It's been a couple years since Google. Yeah, it's been like three. I don't know. Google, uh, you know what I think it is? Is this isn't Ralph? This is evil Ralph because we're yeah, looking at Ralph. Mirror, mirror Ralph. Yeah. You know what? Like, this is this is GPT Ralph. This yeah. is GPT route. <laughs> AI enhanced ML marketed GPT route. So, yeah. Ralph, you're on the beach. There's a turtle. It's on its back. It's screaming. <laughs> <laughs> you let what it you drown. drown. You let it drown. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah I guess in the, in the Mandiant breach that the uh, adversary said, check your bookmarks. And I am really curious as to what bookmarks the adversary left behind in their uh, Twitter oh, profile. Wouldn't that be fun to know? That would be very probably funny. just mm. some really fire memes. Yeah, really great memes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, speaking of great memes, uh, the Merrick one point four billion dollars cyber hack settlement is now over. Um, this is the this is what was it? Not Petya, I think, was the malware um, that hit. Now, the reason why this was, we were waiting for this one to come up because we wanted a ruling. Because the insurance company had a clause that was like hostile warlike action, um, hot nation state on nation state action. And because uh, Petya was a, uh, or not Petya, was developed by the Russians using an exploit that the NSA developed, then the insurance company uh, was like, yeah, we're not going to pay out for whenever nation states are hacking each other. And what an incredibly important thing that we all wish we could have found out. And it would have been awesome to have some legal case study precedent moving forward. They settled. Uh, so this precedent, as far as like in insurance statements, that kind of the equivalent of force majeure or nation state on nation acts of war between countries, um, does malware that's created by nation states and released publicly, does that count as like collateral damage? We still don't have a ruling on that as far as the Merrick case, which is going to be by far the largest one. The other one was uh, Mondelez out of Ukraine, which I don't know if we actually got that one solidified. But I am really frustrated because this is one of those things that I was hoping to see uh, the courts rule on it. Because part of me, I understand where if you're an insurance company, you're like, look, it's a zero day released by the NS freaking A. Like, 
how are we supposed to put that put that into our threat models that the NSA is hacked and all of a sudden by shadow brokers, all of a sudden the Russians pick it up and weaponize it? How how are we supposed to put that into our freaking like threat models from an actuary perspective? I I I understand that. Um, but then on the flip side, I think you can almost trace, you could possibly trace back lots of bots and you could say, well, this was developed by China. This was developed by Russia. This was developed by Israel. Um, it kind of opens that box of worms up and it makes it very, very difficult to try to differentiate what is an act of war and how to, like White Cyberduck said, categorizing a hack as an act of war. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you start defining that? It almost gives insurance companies a master key that gets them out of absolutely any situation moving forward. Well, I don't know if it, anybody else read this one or had a thought on it as well. Uh, actually, I've got a small thought on that one. And right. That is, is that if the insurance companies continue down that path and it expands that almost everything is considered an act of war or so, so much of it is, it makes the insurance policies completely useless. Companies are going to go ahead and wise up to that at some point, which means that the insurance companies are going to lose money on people not getting the insurance policies also. Yeah. Now, on the flip side on that, Mike, uh, Ranner has a great comment, um, said, I think the days of cyber insurance are numbered. Uh, too much risk, cannot put a price on it. Um, yeah. And Kelly, I'm going to throw this one to you because you do a lot with like risk and talking with companies and risk mit mitigation and GRC and all that goodness. Do you think that we're kind of heading that route? Like that like cyber insurance company is just going to be like, nope, I'm out and walking away from this? No, there's too much money in it for them. Remember, the insurance companies are there to make money. And I, I sound so jaded. I'm sorry, people. I'm trying to be happy, Kelly, in, t in 2020. Take us there. So um, well, it, in all seriousness, though, John, the thing that struck my eye in this article was um in the second paragraph. Um, the it says the ruling found that the insurers were liable under all risks insurance property. It wasn't a cybersecurity insurance policy. So with anything to do with GRC legal or privacy, read the fine print. Yeah. So, okay. Two things I want to say. Number one, on the dollar amount, the 1.4 billion was the sought settlement. I think uh, they that's, got 700. Is well, that right? So the numbers are not uh yeah, the numbers are not uh public. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. a settlement, so they're probably doing I mean, I'm assuming the lawyers will all be able to buy yachts, but that's all we know. Um basically <laughs> like this the number isn't public, so we don't know how much they settled for. It could have been like three dollars and fifty cents. I'm guessing that wasn't it though. Second of all, I wonder, are we getting to the concept of like too big to breach? Like it's just like these companies are so big that like they can't like they can nothing bad can happen to them because like no matter what happens they're just going to be like well we lost 1.4 billion dollars so good luck with that like who's going to insure that uh, on, who's going to be on. like I, we can cover that no problem i have a thought experiment for that uh, Corey. what about like do you think that apple is too big to breach like as a company right like do you think that they're too big i mean no. i'm going to go with yes it depends on the breach right if the app store is breached and let's say everyone's app purchases um and like account information is all breached. Mm -hmm. I, I think you are almost like, like what we're talking about is companies that are so big that if there's a cyber breach, the government has to step in. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, I would, it, this is, we joke about this, but damn yeah, well, it's, it's you're true. worse than Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about it and I thought, here's what, here's the two things I thought about when, when I talked about Apple, how uh, pervasive they are in America and the world and how big of a company they are. Like they've got way more computers and things, right. That run lots of stuff that yeah i mean seriously wild. like okay let's let's just make the cyber insurance policy let's run through the questionnaire online i'd like to purchase a cyber insurance policy okay how much in losses are you seeking if you uh if you are breached <laughs> one trillion dollars <laughs> well let's i'm look sorry i'm sure on that all the yeah. aside let's look at merrick if merrick gets breached kind of like mondelez and it shuts down all shipping that Merrick is responsible yeah. for. Yeah. No, no, they're a like, pharmaceutical. That impact is, it's not just like what Merrick could stand to lose from profits. Like the downstream economic impacts are ridiculous. Nah, that yeah. Well, I yeah. think the stream's just crass there. Are we talking about Merck, the pharmaceutical it's company? It's pharmaceutical, yes. Yeah. Or, Sorry, John was thinking ship, Merrick. Yeah, I, I got yeah. my, got my company. About the shipping let's stick, let's stick with, let's, but it, it doesn't matter. John's point stands either way. Stick with my yeah. point. It's still yeah. valid as a shipping the point, company. The point stands <laughs> either way. <laughs> yeah. If all the secret drug recipes are breached and now I can just like infringe on anyone's patent in china then like this is a i don't know i mean it's like it's seriously it is basically an impossible number to calculate like let's say i'm a pharmaceutical giant i have patents for like what is the future value of like the coronavirus vaccine like who is like what insurance actuary is saying down to being like oh yeah well they stole the recipe for you know the the, the coke recipe or whatever so coca-cola doesn't exist anymore like i how do yeah. we even like i, I don't know how, how do you, like i don't know ben, ben from kc said that john confused his breaches how could you do that john there's only like 20 of them today so should we talk about anything but breaches today like seriously <laughs> like, um, it's I, been 45 minutes let me that's find all we've talked. um no that's breached no um, that's another breach oh xerox breach. too that's a okay breach. there's no, an article with furries in it we talk on, about something no clear all right volkswagen is adding chat gpt to its infotainment system because that's a great idea that's such oh. a good idea and that's, it's all there it's an ev it's an ev and if you enable chat gpt it will decrease your battery life by 25 percent because it's so power and efficient no i'm, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> i mean here's my question if you like ask it to tell you some information right well if it lies to you i mean like could you end up you know going the wrong place like is it hooked into the gps too like what you know i'm assuming it's it purely for entertainment purposes so you can be like chat gpt write me a christmas song but sung in uh, swedish yeah, yeah uh, like yeah. you know uh, write sense. me a sea shanty while i'm driving because i'm really bored <laughs> yeah we needed this we needed this, this is what we I, I, I personally like i what i went on a road trip recently and i was the chat gpt for the rest of the car and it was extremely fun we had it sing us uh, like write stories about different truck stops that we were pat. It was it was very great. So I'd say this is a ten out of ten feature. Ten. Yeah, out I was going to say if if it's <laughs> tied into the into the uh, GPS etc. And a lot of the Chat GPT stuff that I've seen is the data is at least a year old. How is <laughs> it going to know what the latest routes? No, Chat GPT four can query the web. Yeah, so, oh, it definitely can. There's like. New, there's actually plugins now that you can add in to different like sections in your chat GPT. You can you share can... your data in any way you can. You can upload yeah. a retinal scan. You, yeah. can, upload... <laughs> you can do you some can upload your entire medical history. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So guys, if I'm I a little this... slow here. 
Yep. Are we saying this is a good idea or a bad idea? I this is amazing. Like, this brilliant is idea. I don't, oh, it's there's totally no just, way this will end poorly. This is okay. We know this car I'm company, all they're bad. trying to do, th there's some director or VP at Volkswagen that wants to get his big bonus and get out. Yep. And that's what this is. That's all yep. it is. It's, you know, it's just like, uh, oh, we have ChatGPT too. We have it. So it's Everyone the golden it. AI enabled parachute. Yes. <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> Oh, you know, APT, what is my, uh, you know that conversation happened where they're like, you know what we need? We need chat GPT in our cars and all the engineers exactly. are oh, like, yeah. but why? <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that, been, this. that has been why? my overall like worry for 2024 if I made a prediction is just somebody's going to lean into AI in a direction to where it fails and fails catastrophically. Like I'm not talking like a couple of accidents there, a couple of cars, but you can have something that is notable that we're talking about it in 2027. Yeah, you know, 2027. Well, I mean, that's just we're that's, talk about. Hey, you no. remember when that company leveraged AI and they did it completely wrong and it was horrible? <laughs> that that's that, yes. my fear. That actually yes, gives me I would an like idea. To buy this that, index, hey, column, Alex. Please. That gives me an idea. Hey, um, Corey. Can we take our data from Goldmine and, and like put that through ChatGPT? Oh, uh, we want to yes. do it. Yes. So actually, uh, I've fun fact. I've actually looked into project. doing this. There, there is a tool called Passcan that can generate. It's like essentially you can make like an AI password guessing tool that just says like we've analyzed all the passwords for this organization and here's what people are likely to choose. So that's terrifying. If yeah. <laughs> right. There's no wow. way. Yes, yeah, you can load and and if if you approve it, I'll start uploading NTDSs into ChatGPT today. I was being completely no, facetious. Do not do that. <laughs> do not do that. Do not so, connect Goldmine with ChatGPT. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here. The day that B no. died. No. <laughs> Listen, I, I will say we could do like a webcast about potential pen testing applications of LLMs because there are yeah. many. But I don't think using specifically chat GPT, I think also like I'm really curious about whether the branding will stay because to me, this sounds like putting an iPod or like it's like Zune. This is like, is this going to be like, dude, my car has a Zune connector in it or something like, is it, <laughs> yeah. is this what we're going to be when it's like chat GPT, you know, chat GPT is gone in like two years. And so every time you push the chat GPT button, it just says API error. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love Ben from KC posted in. Um, if we do that, every answer from Chat GPT is going to be winter or spring 2024. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where the hell is this answer coming from? <laughs> or it'll be really weird. It'll be real like there's there's some, you know, there's some passwords where you just look at it and like you can't help but just focus in on certain ones. It'll be like, I'm a stinky boy or something. You're just like <laughs> what? Hey, Why? can we re rewind the tape here, Corey? Um, did you say Zune? Um, yeah. that's a, that's a, I like how you use an outdated, I like how you use an outdated metaphor to talk about my outdated metaphor. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yes. Rewind the tape. Wow. You know what I thought was great about that, uh, Corey, since you brought it back up is that was also a Microsoft product in chat GPT is. I'm just Microsoft saying like a lot in chat GPT. So, yeah, yeah. We don't live in the era where you want to like have specific named products integrated into your other products. Like <laughs> right. things, and, and, things and the change thing, and they go away. 
And the other yeah. thing that's true is that Corey is a 50 year old brain in a 25 year old body. Just, you know, just well, rewind the tapes. Fast forward. I it's do, already 2025. I'm, I'm aging at twice the rate of everyone else. Okay. <laughs> yes, you are. Welcome to middle management, buddy. Um, so Wade put up the, uh, nuclear lab hack i don't know are there any other yes. news stories that we want to talk about like the nuclear lab hack gay furry hackers no we love this we love uh, this is an amazing so story we're gonna go from massive massive quantities of breaches to a nuclear hat lab yeah well hack. Hold, so okay for this year now i i have <laughs> gone on the record on the show and i have said don't mess with furries and i stand by that like I, this I is and this is proof of that <laughs> like this is why you don't mess with i agree furries. But this one, I almost wonder, like, somebody, um, uh, my future son-in-law, he got me hooked on this, like, one-bite pizza <laughs> review thing, where it's like, one bite, you all know the rules. And oh, you mean Dave Portnoy or whatever? Yeah. And um, I'm almost, like, thinking we need to rate the breaches for, like, class and style. And I'd say this is an 8-2, at least. I'd say this is an, a good, solid 8-2. Like, <laughs> you know, it's got pizzazz, right? You're going after nuclear. You're asking for something ridiculous. You're gay, furry, hackers. Yeah, I mean, that's just... It's amazing. I, I, my hat's off. And and well done. Well done. That GPT couldn't come up with this scenario. <laughs> the CBSS <laughs> score. The CBSS score, but it's the BHIS dank score. Like, what's the dank rating? I gotta say, this is at least 8.2 danks. Because, like, okay... They they compromised the U.S. Department of Energy sector of nuclear energy, which is fun, and include that includes basic. It's like HR data, so SSNs, physical addresses, bank accounts. I will say I'm I'm surprised they didn't steal all the funds like from the direct deposit so that they could build more furry suits because those things mm. are not cheap. They are no expensive. no they're not not I'm at all. one right now on Amazon. Not that I would know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to God, that is not Ralph. That is not Ralph. <laughs> Ralph GBT is on a roll. Okay, current. Someone make the job listing. A, a job listing at the Idaho National Laboratory tomorrow. Sought furry expert with at least five years of defensive experience. <laughs> furry expert. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. We don't know these threat actors. Respect. They we don't know what and you're feeling high and mighty. I want you to understand that furry conventions have a much closer male to female ratio than infosec communities. So <laughs> don't make fun. It's first first to build the beans. <laughs> yeah. so, hey, I will say, yeah, I mean, they they they're willing to bargain though. I know it's not good to bargain with with uh, ransomware Sorry. actors, but they do say <laughs> if they research creating IRL cat girls, we will take down the post. Wait, wait, wait. Are we wait a minute? It depends on what kind of furry. Because are we are we negotiating with dog furries or cat furries? Because the negotiation tactics this is all cat. are gonna be way, specific, different, yeah. way different. Mm. I will say the article tries to, I know like I'm sure the person writing this was just like really had that twitch at the edge of their like just trying to keep a straight face, but here's the exact sentence. The creation of real cat human female hybrids is frequently posted meme, but it's not the laboratory's specialty. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought oh. that making IRL cat girls was not the Idaho National Laboratory's purpose? Oh my God. Can we expense in a furry suit to learn oh, their way? If yeah. it's for a pen Imagine test, if it's for a pen not, test, I you can. Not, I will not prove that. 
I will not approve that. Deny. I, but Deny. John, you already approved two of them. One's called Red Bear and Shut one's up, called Bluebeard. Tell anybody. That's no, we're done. All right, everybody. This has gone completely <laughs> off the rails. Brian, bring out the hand. Oh, by oh. the way, folks, before the hand comes out, we have a podcast. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you would like to like listen to it in podcast format, so you can listen to it while you're working out. I heard that someone did that. By the way, if you're the person that reached out to us and you said, I listen to you guys while I'm working out. I want to apologize profusely. Um, I am so, Why? so very sorry. I, Cause we might kill them on a treadmill sometimes. You know? <laughs> and, um, and, and, and once again, furries don't take any of this offensive, nothing but respect for you and your yeah, kind. Please. I hope you have a good time. Do your own thing. And I hope always. you get your cat girls. Good hope luck. You, hopefully you get what you want sometimes. Just hope you get what you want. Um, we provide training at Anti-Siphon. We do pen test and incident response at BHIS. If you're interested, check it out. Um, so with that, let's take us out of here. Let's go. Bring up the hand. <laughs>